0: or Meatloaf episode 50 The Spirit of Grouse Creek Hello hello Today's message is one for anyone who's out there feeling a little bit beaten by the world Anybody whose heart is heavy or might need a tablespoon of hope I'd like to start off by sharing an experience I had, oh, about six or seven years ago. My dermatologist found this little skin cancer on my lip, and he told me that they could probably remove it, but they might have to take most of the bottom lip to do so. So he suggested instead this new chemotherapy cream that had just been cleared by the FDA. Now, I'm sure that many of you have heard of it or even tried the predecessor of this drug. The new and improved version is a great alternative. It's still absolutely no fun, but it doesn't have nearly the side effects of the earlier medicine. Needless to say, that medicine made me so sick. I was nauseous every single day, all day long, so on top of the giant blisters and those sores that ate holes straight through my lip, I was throwing up through them. Ooh, that's a gory detail I should have spared you. A few days after I started, I woke up and my bottom lip, this is no joke, my bottom lip was literally sitting on my chin. Oh, good times, good times. It was miserable. I was supposed to do three rounds of two weeks on and two weeks off, and I barely made it through the first round by the hair of my chinny chin chin, and then I had to stop to recover, and I honestly didn't know how on earth I was ever going to make it through another round Now, this certainly wasn't an earth-shattering devastation by any means, and it doesn't come close to the trials I see so many of you treading through. But the reason I tell you this is because I found a great lesson in the aftermath. You see, my husband Doug whisked me away after my first two weeks of treatment so I could start to heal. Well, Actually, let me rephrase that. I guess he really just drug me along to the ranch for the weekend while he could spend three days in the tractor planting and I could just recoup and regroup. And it was exactly what I needed. It ended up being a very therapeutic weekend on so many different levels. And the spiritual experience I had strengthened me far more than just being off the medicine. It was one of those occasions where, where I knew without a doubt that my Father in Heaven was keenly aware of what I was going through, and I felt my Savior's love. It was something I won't share all the details of, but my children hopefully still have a copy of the letter I wrote each of them about the experience. I titled it The Spirit of Grouse Creek, and I just ran across the copy myself that I was keeping in a box. I found it the other day. There was a section, part of my experience anyway, that I'd like to refer to because it validates perfectly some thoughts I've had about how this world we live in seems so intent on trying to break us. One of the things I did that weekend in Grouse Creek was curl up and watch one of my all-time favorite movies, a favorite animated classic, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. Who doesn't love Spirit? And for someone who's seen it what seems like a million times, I never expected to hear the message that came through so loud and clear to me that day at that time. I began watching where I'd left off earlier in the day, almost at the very end, where Spirit's Indian friend Little Creek calls him, Spirit who could not be broken, and sends him and his horsey love interest Rain back to the wild of his herd and his homeland. As the music of Hans Zimmer crescendoed, I saw the parallel of the movie with such amazing clarity when Spirit was born, he knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly where he belonged with his family in his homeland. He was born to lead, but his curiosity got the best of him and he was lured by the fire into the camp of man. He was caught and literally dragged into the heart of the world where they cut his mane and tried to strip him of his dignity and make him forget who he really was, where he belonged, and his desire to return home. They tried to break his spirit and make him conform, to be like the other horses who followed blindly instead of leading strongly. I was reminded of one who came before us, Jesus Christ, who was also born to lead, and he showed us the way, and taught us that no matter how cruel a mocking, ridiculing world can be, we can carry the crosses in our lives like he did, with love, patience, and dignity. He taught us that we are here to be tried and tested, and that this is all part of the plan. And guess what? This plan is perfect. This plan can bring happiness. But it can be so stinking hard to be patient until after the trials, when we can look back and see how far we've come, isn't it? It's so hard to push through until we can see that part clearly, hopefully in hindsight. I have a friend right now whose baby was born prematurely and can't go home to be part of their family yet. I have friends who are struggling with rare diseases that plague them day in and day out. I have friends whose hearts have broken over a wayward child, or lost their jobs, or experiencing economic hardship. We all know people who have lost children or loved ones to death long before they were ready to, and we all know those who are bound by chains of addiction, or depression, or mental illness, or overwhelming loneliness. The weight of the world can feel crushing at times, and there's not a one of us who doesn't feel broken in some way. But I love the idea that glow sticks have to break, too, in order to shine. I remember this poem, and I referred to it many times in talks I've given over the years that illustrates so perfectly the struggles of life. It's called The Race by D.H. Groberg, and it goes like this, quote, Whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear, it wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race— or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. Their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son, and each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. The whistle blew, and off they flew like chariots of fire. To win, to be the hero there, was each young boy's desire." One boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down the field and crossed a shallow dip, the little boy who thought he'd win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his arms flew every place, and midst the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. As he fell, his hope fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, "'Get up and win that race.' He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his might and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs, he slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now, I shouldn't try to race. But through the laughing crowd he searched and found his father's face. "'with a steady look that said again, "'Get up and win that race.' "'So he jumped up to try again, Ten yards behind the last. "'If I'm to gain those yards, "'he thought, I've got to run real fast. "'Exceeding everything he had, "'he regained eight, then ten, "'but trying hard to catch the lead, "'he slipped and fell again.' Defeat. He laid there silently. A tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running any more. Three strikes, I'm out. Why try? I've lost, so what's the use? He thought, I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. You haven't lost at all. For all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. "'Get up,' the echo urged him on. "'Get up and take your place. "'You were not meant for failure here. "'Get up and win that race.' "'So up he rose to run once more, "'refusing to forfeit, "'and he resolved that win or lose, "'at least he wouldn't quit. "'So far behind the others now, "'the most he'd ever been, "'still he gave it all he had "'and ran like he could win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling. Three times he rose again.' Too far behind to hope to win, he still ran to the end. They cheered another boy who crossed the line in one first place, head high and proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line in last place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with his head bowed low and proud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now when things seem dark and bleak and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all, and all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. And when depression and despair shout loudly in my face, another voice within me says, Get up and win that race. I love that poem so much. It resonates so deeply on a spiritual level every time I need the strength to get up again. So for anyone out there who feels tripped up or knocked down, I hope you listen carefully to that quiet voice inside you that will also whisper, get up. I've got you. We can do this. Anytime you need a reminder like Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron of who you are, where you belong, and that you too can be the spirit the world couldn't break, turn to the words of the Savior himself, quote, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. End quote. Matthew 11, 28-30 as I reread the letter I wrote my family from Grouse Creek many years ago, I was reminded that this hard, pressing, difficult world is only my temporary home. I found such a powerful message of hope as Spirit, who had finally overcome all the trials the world threw at him and, Rain, ran joyfully and freely back to their homeland. We too will one day find ourselves running back freely to our eternal heavenly homelands, It's my sincere hope that we will take with us the spirits that have learned, loved, and returned even stronger as a result of what we experienced here. I know God loves us perfectly, and His Son, our Savior and Redeemer, can strengthen us through these trials. Quote, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Quote. That's found in Isaiah 40 verse 31. And for an added bit of encouragement, you may want to gather your family and watch a good movie this week. I've got a really great recommendation. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, but seriously, go watch Spirit, the 2002 DreamWorks animated film. If you see it through spiritual eyes, you'll never see it the same. I promise. And I hope you find joy and hope on your journey this week. See you next time.